I'm back. And today, thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back. Today, we are going to speak about pilgrimage. One of my favorite topics and this concept of life being a pilgrimage. And as many of you here probably know, I am a pilgrim. I walked the Camino, the 800-kilometer Camino de Santiago in Spain back in 2001, the first time anyways, when it wasn't the phenomenon that it has become today. Um, has anyone never heard of the Camino? Just to make sure that I, yeah, you know it's a pilgrimage path in northern Spain. Well, I walked that um, the first time by myself. And then a few months after that, I embarked on another journey, this time walking 5,000 kilometers from Rome to Jerusalem. And I began that walk alone, intending to finish alone, but the fates had other plans and brought into my path a Spanish pilgrim who today is my husband and who says hello to you all, but he's at home preparing for another event tomorrow. <laughs> Um, and during our walk from Rome to Jerusalem, uh, even though I started alone and he joined me, when we were walking together in Croatia, we ended up separating. And it was supposed to be just a two-day kind of separation. I was supposed to be right behind him. Um, but it ended up being 40 days. And every time I reflect on those 40 days, I keep thinking, wow, 40 days, that's such an interesting number because, you know, 40, it was 40 years that the Israelites were in the desert trying to find their way to the promised land. It was 40, it's 40 weeks of gestation um, for a baby to be born. It's um, 40 days that Jesus was also in the desert before he began his ministry to the world. So that number 40 has always kind of resonated with me. I thought, hmm, that was my time to really be alone and understand what it means to be alone and not just walk alone. All that to say, I have a lot of experience in walking alone. <laughs> um, and although, as I say, I'm speaking to you today about pilgrimage, I really do believe that our life is a pilgrimage. We're walking it right now. And that the sacred destination that we're going to, the temple that we're going to, is not something out there. It's not to be found. The sacred is not to me to be found in a cathedral, in a tomb, or someplace outside. But the true destination that we're coming to is the temple in here, inside each and every one of us, and coming to an encounter with understanding who we are and what it is that we are here to bring into the world in service. And that journey, my friends, often includes having to walk alone, okay? And I didn't know what that meant to be alone because up until my 30s, I had always been with someone, whether it was my family, at school I was in a residence, then I got married. And it wasn't until my divorce back then, I was in my early 30s, um, that I had to be alone for the first time. And it terrified me. I, for the first weeks, maybe even months, I don't think I got a good night's sleep because every little noise woke me up. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I didn't know how to be alone to go out, for example, to have a cup of coffee, to go to a restaurant, go to a movie. These were all things that I had to learn and develop. And they were baby steps to what would be the next big step, which was to learn how to travel alone. And I was terrified, you know, I won't kid you, it wasn't like an easy thing. Yeah, I'm just gonna go travel by myself here. And I committed to taking that step because I was already on a quest I was on a quest for self-knowing. I was on this quest of spiritual exploration. And to me, this wasn't like a, a nice theoretical mental exercise that I was going through. Oh, hey, let's read a new book. And oh, isn't that interesting? This is a way to live your life. To me, this was a serious commitment that I had undertaken. And I was committed to transforming 
this person that I was, this person who was filled with fear, this person who was rigid before the world, who was very controlling, who needed to have everything organized and planned and well seen ahead of time. I had to see the goal. I had to see the end result. So to transform that into what all of these wonderful books promise into what you can be, this person who could actually flow with life easily, who could trust what she couldn't see and touch with her physical hands, someone who was at ease knowing that everything was unfolding as it needed to unfold and that above all else that I really was not alone, ever alone, even though I felt I was alone so many times. This was the kind of person that I was trying to transform into, like a little butterfly. That quest for knowing had me leaving, quitting my job, my career, and um, I felt that the universe was shouting at me, Egypt, go to Egypt. So I said, okay, I am about to now learn to follow my intuition and flow. So I'm going to go to Egypt as everything, as what I felt everything was saying to me, go to Egypt. And so going to Egypt forced me to confront one of the first fears that I had, which is fear of the world. You know, the voices, what well, I was raised with anyways, I say, you've got to be careful out there. The world is a dangerous place. You can't trust people. People, you know, they're not going to help you. They're more likely to try and hurt you than try and support you. So you've got to put on a hard face and you've got to watch out for yourself. And so, of course, that's a program. And those voices are there with you. It's a belief that's with you as you're, you know, as you're traveling. So I arrive in Egypt. And one of the first things I do is buy myself a wedding band. A gold wedding band. Why? Because everybody had said to me, well, put on a gold band, and then they'll think you're married, and no one will bother you. The men won't bother you. I said, okay. So I did that. I bought my gold band. I put it on, and I dressed modestly, and I went out, and you know, I was among the people. I am Lebanese. You know, I blend in in Egypt. I speak the language, so that made it easy. And one afternoon at the hotel where I was staying, it was a hotel with you know, a lot of families and a lot of you know, married people. And that was awkward, too, because, you know, I'm the kind of, I felt very much the, the single person that was there. So I was sitting by the pool and just enjoying the afternoon when this lovely young man comes over to me and starts, you know, sits beside me and starts to make conversation. You know, where are you from? You know, welcome to Egypt. And I'm thinking, ding, 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 the alarm bells are going off. Can't trust this person. What does he want? <laughs> and so as part of the conversation, he says to me, well, if, since you're alone, I would love for you to be my guest tonight at dinner here in the hotel, at the restaurant. And I said, thank you very much, but my husband is waiting for me. <laughs> I'll be having dinner with him. And he said, wonderful. Well, if anything changes, you know, let me know, and I'd still love to have you as my guest. Said, it's okay. I scurried back to my room, <laughs> and I ordered room service. <laughs> Just in case. Because, <laughs> you know, the husband may not show up. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, the second day he was still there. <laughs> and the same thing came up. And he, when he came over the second time, I could just feel, I'm not a good liar to begin with. And as I, he came over and he looked at me, and I said to him, and he invited me once again. He goes, I'd love to show you the city. I'd love to show you the Egypt that I know, the Cairo I know. And I said, I'm, I'm waiting for my husband. And I could see his eyes saying, I know you're lying. <laughs> and I knew I was lying. <laughs> 
But at that moment, all of my fear was just at the surface. So I certainly had no confidence in him or his intentions. I certainly had no confidence in me or my intuition. And all of this talk and all these, these ideas that I was committed to practicing, like I'm going to follow the universe and I'm going to trust that everything is okay, all that flew out the window. There was none of that. There was only fear that stayed. But I was aware, and that's important. I was aware that all of these things were going on in my mind. And if I say that I'm going to be somebody who trusts in people, well, then I've got to start acting that way. I've, I can't be continually closing myself off. And I believe that this is you know, one of the, the steps in this journey of, of being alone in life is coming to this place of asking ourselves, you know, what do we really, what do we believe? Questioning those beliefs. What do I believe about myself? Do I believe that I'm somebody who's capable of change? Somebody who's open to new ideas? Or am I somebody who's going to be continually just down the same path and change is too hard, I can't do it? What do I believe about people? Do I believe that people are inherently good or are people inherently out there to hurt me? What do I believe about the world? Is the world a dangerous place that you have to protect yourself from? Or is the world a safe place, a place that you can open up to, and a world that opens up possibilities for you when you do that? And what do you believe about this magnificent universe in which we live? Are you all alone in this vast, wonderful, wondrous place of existence? Or is there something more that's with you, supporting you, holding you, guiding you on your journey? Each one of you here will have a unique answer to those questions. But I can promise you how you answer those questions and what you say will absolutely dictate the experience that you are going to have, whether you're on a pilgrimage path or whether you're on this path of your life. So I practiced very slowly opening myself up a little bit more. I was three months in Egypt, so I had a chance to meet more people, practice, you know, trusting other people a little bit more. I traveled a little bit more by myself in Mediterranean, in Greece, in Italy, and so on, until I arrived to the south of France and what would be the beginning of the Camino. And I was more confident in myself, but, you know, I was still nervous. I, I had never walked 800 kilometers before in my life. Um, I didn't exactly show up prepared. <laughs> I had a backpack, which was poorly packed. Um, and I thought, well, okay, but I'm going to do this because I had read one book, and that was the book that was available at the time. And it was Shirley MacLaine's book called uh, My Camino. And I knew at that point before I took that first step, that this was now the time to stop being the tourist and wandering around and all of that. It was time now to become a pilgrim. And to become a pilgrim to me was a serious undertaking because that meant now I had to really examine the big questions of my life. So Moni, what are you going to do with your life? You've quit your job. Um, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you want to do. The only thing I did know was that I did not want to go back to Microsoft. I did not want to go back to the corporate world. But what do I do? I mean, I, I wanted a life with meaning. I wanted something that you know had purpose, but I had no clue what that looked like. And although I was saying to myself, yes, I am ready to surrender. Yes, I am ready to flow. I am ready to allow this path to lead me, this Camino to lead me. I'm ready to do that. 
really in my heart, I didn't really think I was ready to do that. <laughs> I didn't think I could do that. Um, and that's another one of those big, I think, forks in the road, those moments in life, whether you're, again, on the pilgrimage path or in life. You really have to ask yourself, are you really ready to surrender your need to control every aspect of your life and allow, let's just say, a higher love, a higher wisdom, a higher grace to guide your steps because it is with us, it's with you in every single moment. It's ready and willing in every moment to work with you, to collaborate with you. Are you ready to do something like this and are you willing? Because I'll tell you, control is very easy. The mind loves control. The mind loves predictability. It loves order. It doesn't know what to do with flow and surrender. It goes into a frenzy. Going into the unknown without a plan that's like, ding, 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 your mind doesn't know what to do with that. It will force you back into the comfort zone, which is, no, 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 don't try that. Too risky, too dangerous, stay where you are. But we are here as spiritual beings. We are here on this beautiful earth to grow, to expand, to grow more in light, to grow in love, in compassion, in generosity. This is what we're here for. This is our grand purpose. And you can't do that if you're holding on to the reins of your life. You've just got to be able to let them go a little bit. So I arrived at the beginning of the Camino, a town called Saint-Jean-Pierre-du-Port. I looked around for any guidebook that existed. And at that time, there was only one guidebook in English. And so I bought that, and I looked through it, and it's easy enough. All you have to do is follow the yellow arrows that will lead you to your destination. <laughs> That's easy, right? It's walking, follow the yellow arrows and sleep in places that they tell you where to sleep. It's like, okay, that's easy enough. Um, I didn't have a phone back then. I wasn't traveling with a phone. This is, like, this is 2001. This isn't you know, a time when phones were ubiquitous. There was no information. I just had the book and the maps, and that's it. I'll just start walking. And I followed that book religiously in the beginning, right? It tells you how many kilometers a day to walk. I did that. It tells you what town to stop in. I did that. I told you what restaurants to eat in and what food to get. I did all of that. And after about a week, I realized, wait a second, what kind of flow and surrender is this? <laughs> I'm just, you know, following somebody else's guides and directions. So, okay, I was aware of that. I'm not flowing. I got to flow better. <laughs> but then... Another fear seriously kicked in. As I was walking, I realized, wait a second, I'm a woman walking alone. Um, and this was before, again, the Camino was you know, filled with people. So I was walking through forests. I was walking through open fields, along long country lanes where the occasional car just passed by, and here I was by myself. And in the first week especially, I found myself kind of looking over my shoulder all the time. I was always nervous. I was always like, what's going to happen? And in that first week, I ended up meeting an American couple. It was a mother and son who were traveling together, who were walking together. I thought, finally, somebody who speaks English and somebody I can walk with so I don't have to be alone and nervous all the time. And we walked together that one afternoon, and we had a lovely time together. We stayed in the same uh, pilgrim shelter together. We had dinner together, and we agreed the next day we are going to walk together. And I'm thinking, yes, okay, I'll feel more confident and more safe that way. That's good. Until I can have more courage to walk alone, right? 
So we agreed to meet the next morning and we would walk together. And I'll never forget this. Uh, I get up the next morning and I'm looking for them and I don't see them anywhere. And so the place we were staying was on a bit of a hill. And so I go out to the balcony and I'm looking around and I see, I see the both of them kind of hustling, walking really fast to get away from me. <laughs> it wasn't funny then, I tell you. <laughs> but I got the message. I got the message. Okay, um, it's time for me to walk alone. The universe was kind of saying to me, listen, this is a practice. Learning how to walk alone is practice. And you have to develop those muscles to be able to know how to trust your instincts and how to pay attention to what's happening around you and the communication that's coming to you. To which I said, fine, but I have no clue what that means. So show me, show me clearly. Teach me how to be in the state of presence. Teach me how to be in communication. Teach me how to be aware of these messages that you say you're sending me. Teach me how to do that. And it literally was like learning a new language, learning a new way of being, where things that would come to me, it was like pieces of a puzzle. You go, oh, oh, okay, well, this is, I think, what this is saying to me. It was learning how to trust my own interpretation of that, what was coming to me learning to trust my intuition and how it was receiving that information and the meaning that I was giving to it. And I found that that tension that was in my stomach, which was the tension, that's where I carried all that tension of walking alone in my stomach. The more that I was practicing this way of being, the more it kind of slowly eased up. I felt the tension easing up physically in my body to the point where I said, okay, I'm going to give away this guidebook, which was, you know, my little Bible. I'm going to give it away. I gave away the guidebook, and I said, I'm going to trust not only the outer yellow arrows that are leading me, but I'm going to trust the inner yellow arrows. I'm going to trust my inner GPS, my inner guidance, to show me the next steps and to trust this, these messages or these signs that I'm seeing around me and that they're going to guide me to the right place. What did they look like? It wasn't anything huge in the beginning. For example, I'd be walking, and I'd see spray-painted on the side of a wall a word, Let's say the word is Juan. And then I'd be walking a little bit more, and I'd see a piece of paper on my feet, and you know, I'd kind of poke at it, and it would be, there would be the word Juan on it. It's like, oh, interesting. And whereas before I would kind of dismiss all this stuff as being, you know, this is just a coincidence, now I started to pay attention. And if I saw it again, I'd go, okay, there's definitely something for me to pay attention to here. And let's say, for example, and this happened, I would come across a bar. I would see in the distance called bar Juan. So I go, huh, maybe there is something there for me. And even though my logical mind would say, you're getting off the path, you know, you're being stupid, there's nothing there in this bar, Juan, just stay on the path and get to where you need to go so you can get yourself a bed for the day. And like, no, I'm going to trust that there is something there even though I can't logically explain it. And so I would go to this bar, Juan, and I would pay attention to what was there. And more often than not, there was something there. There was a conversation I needed to have. There was someone I needed to meet and walk with maybe for a little while. There was an article that just happened to be there in English that was for me to read and that would help me where I was. That's what it, was, that's what it looked like. This was this new way of being that I was now training myself to become. And this became a practice. This is a spiritual practice, knowing how to walk in the world in presence and in communion, if you want to call it that, in continual connection, knowing 
that you are not alone and that the exact next thing that you need to do is going to reveal itself to you, okay? And that all I have to do is take that next step and be confident that this is exactly what I need to do, where I need to be, and this is exactly what I need to be working on because it showed up in front of me. So if it showed up, it's what I need to be concentrating on. Not what my mind thinks I should be doing, not what I believe is the next good best step for me, but what shows up. And to do that work. And when it was time to move on, then that next sign would reveal itself and I would know what it looked like and I would be confident enough to take that step even when I couldn't see the whole road ahead of me. Now, for somebody who's accustomed to having her goals and her plans and her objectives, do you know how hard that is? <laughs> to just say, I'm just going to trust this step even though I can't see the whole road ahead of me. Yeah, that was excruciating. <laughs> it was probably the most difficult practice that I had to do on the Camino. And really the Camino was the place, that was my my testing ground. That was the place where I started to put all of these ideas, which we all read in the books, into practice, to learn to flow, to learn to trust what was coming to me, to f understand and interpret well what I felt my intuition was telling me. All of that worked together. And it was crucial because when that, what that did was, first of all, it unlocked the magic of the Camino. People that go on pilgrimage say, wow, the Camino, there's magic there. There's magic when you're able to flow when you're able to surrender your plans. But guess what? That magic is also here when you're able to do the same thing in your life. It's not just there. It's also here. And it brought me to the people and to the situations that would then plant the seed for walking from Rome to Jerusalem. And it's a good thing I had my training ground on the Camino because guess what? There is no path from Rome to Jerusalem. <laughs> it doesn't exist. There, is, there are no nice trails showing you the way. There are no yellow arrows. There's no shelters for you, for pilgrims. There is no infrastructure for pilgrims whatsoever. So I couldn't rely on anything outer to guide my way. I had to rely on what I had just developed and learned on the Camino to be able to walk in this way. And I made mistakes, of course, because on this journey, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to misinterpret things, but that's okay. That's part of the process. That's part of learning how to be in connection, and how to self-correct as you're going along. That's how wisdom grows, I believe. And I also learned another important thing, being, there's so many stories, of course, there's so many things I can tell. I've written two books about it. <laughs> um, one of the important things that I, um, I learned on this pilgrimage, especially when I said to my family and to my friends, um, I'm going to be walking for peace from Rome to Jerusalem. This was right after 9-11, okay? And I wanted to do this walk because I felt, first of all, that it was a calling. The universe was pulling me that way. But at the same time, this was what I felt would be my contribution to peace. I didn't know what peace looked like. I had no idea what peace in the world looked like. But I knew that peace had to begin with me. And this was my way of contributing to peace by f trying to create it within myself and sharing only that message. Peace begins with you. You do your part. And when I told my family and my friends that I'm going to be doing this pilgrimage, you know, I expected support. I expected people to say, yes, what a noble quest you're on, this quest to create peace within yourself and to bring peace to the world. But I didn't get that. I got that from a handful of people. But the majority thought I was crazy. The majority thought, 
especially, you know, my closest family would say, oh my God, she's just quit her job. She quit, you know, a well-paying job and a career, and now she's carrying a backpack and walking to Jerusalem. She's lost her mind. <laughs> she's lost her mind. She's totally lost. And it was to those who are closest to us that I had to make the hardest, to me, that I had to make the hardest decision, which is to say, I need to honor my path. I need to honor my truth. And I need to honor where I know my heart is pulling me to go and where I know is absolutely the place that I need to be right now. And that means I'm going to have to let those who just simply don't understand at this time to go their own way. With great love, with great compassion, with gratitude for all that they are bringing to my life, I must let them go and let them walk their path with love while I walk mine as well with love. And if the moment comes where we are reunited again, it'll be beautiful. But for now, for this moment, I need to continue down the path that I know is mine to make, to take. So many stories I can share, but we are running out of time. So I will leave you with this final thought. You are pilgrims, every one of you here. You are a pilgrim on this grand pilgrimage called life. And yes, you are here. We are all here to share the path together. But ultimately, we are here to walk this path in the great grand spirit of explorers. We are here to chart inner terrains that are yet unknown and to know that this grand universe has our back and that even though we walk alone and we may feel alone, we are never, ever, ever alone. Thank you all so much for your time this morning.